Thank you, Dr. Stevens, for that great and very interesting introduction. First of all, I want to say how honored and humbled I am to have been asked to speak to you today. As I was thinking over the summer what I would say to you as freshmen, I wanted to come up with something profound and wise, and maybe it's just the nature of summertime, but I was coming up blank. So all I have for you today is I'm going to speak to you from my heart and tell you a little bit about what Geneva College means to me. As Dr. Stevens mentioned, at one point I was sitting where you were sitting, a freshman at Geneva College. And if you were like me, one of the first classes you probably had on your schedule was a little class called Old Testament Survey. I remember getting that schedule over the summer and looking at that class and immediately sort of writing it off as an EVA. I mean, after all, I grew up going to church. I knew the stories of Moses and Jonah and Noah and those kinds of things. How much harder could that class be from Sunday school, right? Well, at the end of my first week of my freshman year of college, where you guys are right now, I came to the stark realization that, one, this was not going to be an easy A. But even more troubling, too, my lack of understanding of the Old Testament had created in me this existential crisis in which I was even questioning my own salvation. I mean, after all, how could a follower of Christ have such a superficial understanding of his holy word? My professor of that time was an incredible godly man who has since moved on to be with his Lord and Savior. His name was Dr. Willard McMillan, but he was affectionately known to his students here on campus as the Big Mac, which was kind of an interesting nickname because if you knew this guy, he was not large in stature. But in fact, he was an incredibly humble and genteel man, and he spoke with such grace. He spoke with authority. And so one day, about a week later, because it took me a while to work up the courage, as everyone else was leaving class, I approached Dr. McMillan at the end of class. He was writing in his notebook, and I said to him, I introduced myself, and I said, I just want to let you know that uh, I'm really enjoying your class, but I'm really struggling with it. And as soon as I said the word struggling, there was like this lump that was in my throat, and my eyes were welling up with tears, and I just suddenly burst out saying, and by the way, I'm not sure what kind of Christian I am after all. And there was silence, and he looked up, and then he did something amazing. He looked down in his notebook and he said, Son, are you available on this date at this time? And I was. He said, meet me in my office. Now, I had not expected this at all. In fact, I was kind of only hoping that maybe he would give me a good commentary that I could buy or an extra book that I could use as a companion to the course reader. I hadn't anticipated that he would want to meet with me. I was not a Bible major. I was not one of his advisees. I was just a freshman, one of several hundred students I'm sure he was teaching that semester. But meet with me, he did. And in fact, what started that day in September lasted the entire semester, meeting with him like once a week. I remember those meetings vividly. I remember meeting with him one time outside the student center as the, the leaves were falling down in October. I remember even meeting with him once on a Saturday morning in the dining hall for breakfast. I hung on his every word. It was as if up to that point, all I had known about the Bible was written in black and white, and he was painting it in beautiful colors. When I look back on that time, my freshman fall, freshman year, I thank God for putting Dr. McMillan in my life because I have no idea where I would be in my faith if it wasn't for him. And the reason that I'm telling you that story is simply this. Those memories that I just gave to you, that story I just told you, it happened 25 years ago exactly. But I remember it as if it was just like a few weekends ago. And if you talk to anyone that's at least 20 years plus removed from college, they'll typically tell you that long after the high school memories fade away, the college memories will linger. 
And so freshman class, you're making memories of Geneva College. And so I leave you with a question, a simple one. How are you going to remember Geneva College? When you look back 20 years from now, are you going to see Geneva College as being part of your redemption story the way I do? Or will you look back on it as a series of missed opportunities, broken promises, or maybe even worse? To help you in the memory-making process, I want to give to you what I think are just three misconceptions we make about college today in our society. I think if you avoid these traps, the experience you have can be a pleasant one. Number one misconception we make about college life today is that college is a place that you go to find yourself. Now, don't get me wrong, college is a great opportunity for exploration, there's no doubt about that, but the, there's an implication there. The implication is that somewhere hidden on campus is a little treasure box with your name on it. Maybe it's hidden in the bowels of Old Main, or maybe it's up in the roof of the, the auditorium right now. And basically, your four-year college experience is a glorified scavenger hunt to find that box with your name on it, open it, and out will pop all the revelations of your life and what you're supposed to do. Freshman, I'm here to tell you that the purpose of college is not to find yourself, it's to learn how to lose yourself. The op-ed editor, David Brooks, writing in the New York Times, talking about this issue, says it this way, Today's sex successful young adults do not look inside first and then go lead a life. They look outward, find a problem, and it summons their life. And you see the difference. Now, as Christians, we have a lot to add to this idea of finding ourselves because we know that in our fallen fleshly nature, having a healthy dose of self is something we tend not to lack as human beings. And so if you look throughout Scripture, what you see is not us being encouraged to find ourselves, it's actually to deny ourselves, to put off the old self and put on the new self. Finding ourselves, according to Scripture, is not the solution, it's the problem. And so, freshmen, my goal and my prayer for you is that you will spend the next four years learning how to decrease the self and learning how to allow Christ to increase in your life. That you will find a problem out there in society and it will consume you and you will see your identity not on the front end looking ahead, but on the back end of a lifetime of service in the kingdom. The number two misconception I think we make about college life is that you're supposed to be a college student in college. Now, don't get me wrong. Certainly on one plane of existence, you are very much college students. But again, there's an implication there. You see, what we've done in society is we've prolonged adolescence and postponed adulthood, and now we've created this in-between phase in which you're certainly not a child, but you're not quite an adult. And unfortunately, most of college life just drops smack dab in the middle of it. In psychology, we even have a term for it. It's called the psychological moratorium. It means a postponing, a putting off of adult responsibilities and the adult thinking that goes with it. The problem with that philosophy is that unfortunately we keep postponing adulthood later and later in life that some people in our society aren't getting there. And so freshmen, I'm here to tell you that college is not the postponement of adulthood, it's the start of it. And every year there are millions of students that go off to colleges and universities as freshmen and become part of freshman classes and not everyone graduates. No college boasts of 100% retention, Geneva's no different. The ones that do make it to the finish line, the ones that are successful, will show that they have improved in developing a sense of personal responsibility about their affairs and their studies and the way they live their life. The number three misconception that I think we make about college, and this is perhaps my most controversial because it actually relates to being at a Christian college in particular, is that I believe that some people think that it's going to be easy to be a Christian at a Christian college. Now part of this is not the problem of colleges or youth students. This is a problem of American society. 
You see, we've, done, we've gone through great pains in our American culture to make Christianity easy for us. In churches, we keep our sermons short and entertaining and a life-affirming. We've made discipleship and evangelism optional elements of the faith. We preach a Christ with minimal commitment and then wonder why our pews are filled with nominal Christians. But if there's one theme that emanates throughout the New Testament, it's that the, the walk of the Christian is not guaranteed to be easy. In fact, the norm tends to be trials and tribulations, hardships and persecutions. We're called aliens and strangers in a hostile land. And so, freshmen, what I want you to do is I want you to make a distinction. I want you to make a distinction between a Christian college and a college of Christians. Now, please understand what I'm saying. The policies that govern this college from the trustees through our leadership, through the faculty, the administration, and trickle out through all the offices on campus and all the employees that work here have created a uniquely purposeful Christian environment, one that you can probably tell I so enjoy being a part of. But none of you were asked to sign a confession promising to be a Christian before you got here or promising to be a good Christian once you got here. And so all I'm trying to say is that every day, whether it's in the classroom, in the residence hall, on the field, on the court, in the community, you are going to be interacting with various people who are in various stages of their walk with Christ or lack thereof. Being at a Christian college is not an excuse to get lazy in your faith. It's not an excuse to not grow in godly wisdom and godly discernment about the choices you make and the people you invest in. There are imposters and wolves in sheep's clothing out there vying for your attention, your affection, for your hearts. I have no doubt that over these next four years, between the discussions you have with these caring faculty in and out of the classroom, between the activities that go on in the residence hall and on campus, there will be plenty of opportunities for you to grow in your faith. But mark my words, over the next four years, there's going to be moments that will test your faith as well. How can I say that? Oh, they were there for me, and I was once sitting where you're sitting. So freshmen, I tell you these things not to scare you, but to prepare you. Not to discourage you, but to challenge you for what's ahead. Why? Because you're making memories. And those memories are going to last a lifetime. And it's my hope that when you look back on your Geneva College experience, you'll well up with emotion the way I do and think about the, the way in which you've grown closer to the Lord, not the way perhaps you've drifted. And so I think if you can remember those three things, that the purpose of college is not to find yourself, it's to learn to lose yourself. <clears throat> that college is not the postponement of adulthood, it's the start of it, and that it might not necessarily be easy to be a Christian, even at a Christian college. It is my hope that those memories you make will be as vivid as the ones I have. Freshman class, you're making memories. Make good ones. Thank you.